Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Happy Monday morning. We're coming to you Monday morning. One, because I was on a plane for most of the day on Sunday. But two, we needed to wait and see how the transfer portal was going to shake out. And as a personnel person that I talked to last week put it, compliance doesn't always work on the weekend. So we weren't sure if everybody was going to be in. But I've got David Ubbin and Max Olson, the, the portal authority, here with me to talk about all of the moves that that may or may not be happening and, uh, and guys, Sunday, we saw some action. East Lansing seems to be the most interesting place. You got Peyton Thorne, the two-year starting quarterback for the Michigan State Spartans, in the portal. Keon Coleman, their leading receiver, in the portal. Max, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, not... Uh... What's the officiating term for that? Disconcerting signals? Is that what it is? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think there are two separate deals there. I think the Peyton Thorne situation, you kind of get the sense that um, coming off a rough season in 2022 for the, for the program, that Mel Tucker opened up that quarterback competition and that Peyton Thorne was going to have to, you know, be af- despite being a two-year starter, was going to have to keep competing with Noah Kim and Caitlin Hauser to win that job. And so um, he moves on as a grad transfer. I, I don't know. You know, we've talked in the past about how there's some of these schools like Auburn and Florida and potentially and others that maybe they're still looking for a guy here as, as the calendar turns to May. Um, but could could just as easily just see Kate or excuse me, see Peyton Thorne ending up at another power five school. Maybe where he has to compete for the job. Um, I, I don't I'm interested to see how coveted he is. Keon Coleman, uh, as soon as he hit the portal, um, he, he jumped into number two in our athletic best available rankings. He's, he's a stud. Well, so Thorne, it's interesting because it does seem like Noah Kim may have won that job. And if that's the case, I'm actually surprised we're not seeing more of these where there was a competition, but they didn't say who was going to win it coming out of spring. They they said they were going to push it into the the fall, but then one or or all of the players were like, no, we need we need to know. That's actually what happened with Joe Burrow, guys. That's uh, when when it was Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins. Meyer never said who was the starting quarterback, but it felt like Joe Burrow kind of went to him and said, I, I need to know because I'm going to go start if, if you're not going to let me do that here. Yeah. And, and these, these kids aren't dumb. They, they pick up on the vibes in the building. Yeah. Well, vibes and, and I, I'm, you know, I'm a rip count guy also. Like, yeah. they don't release those numbers, but like they're in practice, they see, and they also see, you know, after practice grades, you can kind of tell when you're looking in film study. You know, you know, yeah. like the, I think, you know, a hundred people, you, you know, if the they're treating you like the two year captain or not. Yes, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's interesting because the, you know, the, at that point when all that happened, it was what's going on there is, is Mel Tucker completely losing, losing the program. Now, if 
he's just starting a quarterback who wound up being better than Peyton Thorne. I don't think that's a a problem. The the Keon Coleman thing is a little more distressing because you're actually losing somebody who I'm sure you were going to be relying on this year. Yeah. yeah, that now's not the time to do that. <laughs> like, no, I think that that's that's the thing is is I think the, you know Max and I talk about this all the time, but the portal is so complex because every decision in itself is a unique decision almost right. every time. And you know sometimes when you see really good players leave, okay, is somebody trying to drop a bag on them? Do they have some scheme issues? Do they have some personality issues with the coach? Like you really just cannot paint with a broad brush of what's happening in the portal. Like every situation is different. Some people get bags dropped on them. Some people are malcontents. Some people are actually being treated poorly by the coaching staff. Like you just don't know until you make some calls and talk to people. And you know, sometimes guys go back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's the other thing. Florida state had a player last week who announced he's going and he, he, you know, post the tweet on Tuesday, officially paperwork hits on Thursday. And then within two hours, he's back. And it was clear he's a player. The Florida State had to had to cut down. Like they had to cut down to eighty five. It, it was pretty clear. Like the Micah Pittman transfer. There's a, there's a couple of those where you're like, I see what's going on here. But uh, but that one they didn't want to lose, and he winds up staying. Sometimes it's a renegotiation. The Tyler Van Dyke rumors yeah. a couple of weeks ago felt like a renegotiation to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, there's it, been a lot, lot of that of going around at Miami these days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the retention piece is just so important, and, and folks should not like underestimate that. I mean, the news is out this morning that Garrett Nussmeyer is going to stay at LSU, which is huge mm-hmm. for them. Um, uh, certainly, a guy that you, you would imagine has probably received some some messages, oh, and yeah. some phone calls from people saying, "Hey, man, you're way too good to be on the bench there at LSU." Um, I've, I've talked to staffers in the last week who were legitimately nervous about this, this transfer deadline. Um, even, even on guys that are grad transfers that maybe could go later on, you're still like really trying to hold on and mm-hmm. find out who is kind of whispering in their ear. And could they, I talked to one staffer who was worried that there was, they had a, one of their best players was just going to ghost them at the last minute this weekend oh, and go in. I mean, even if they're happy, even if they, you've kind of done everything right for a few years in this guy and, and he's a starter and all that kind of stuff, you just don't know who's kind of uh, coming into the picture and, and potentially um, offering them a, a, a lot more money than they're currently making. Well, no, and that's my. It, it, it'll be interesting to see if just from a 30,000 point view, the coaches that have to sort of dance this delicate line of the my way or the highway thing is not going to work, you know, no. unless you're at Alabama mm-hmm. where everyone gets head coaching jobs and becomes first round picks. <laughs> But you have to balance the line where the players aren't running your program because then it gets hard to win games. You have to be clear, like, I'm still the authority. I'm still in charge here. But also creating a place where players want to be a part of your program because the ease and the cost of leaving is so much lower that, I, I you know, again, I don't envy coaches. I, I, I've said this a thousand times over the offseason. Best time ever to cover college football, best time ever to play college football, worst time ever to coach college football, because that line you have to dance is very, very difficult. Well, and, and the world, it seems, the new world belongs to the Shane Beamers and the Josh Heupels and the the Kalen DeBoers and the, the people who mm-hmm. people really seem to enjoy playing for. And yes. now even Nick Saban will tell you he's, he's, I don't know if he'd say it in so many words, but has softened a bit. In terms, and he wouldn't use that word, but he, he of, has <laughs> of player management, and and because he understands, he's not dumb. Like he knows what he has to do. Kirby Smart, they still coach him hard at Georgia, but they they've gotten to the point where they get a self-selecting sample. Like they get players who know that's what's going to happen, 
and know that's what they want or, or feel like that's that works for them. And part of that comes into, okay, like we've seen this at some schools already in the portal, is that, okay, if you want to live off the portal, that means that you're having to do speed dating versus high school recruiting where you develop a two- and three-year relationship that, hey, if I yep. am putting my foot in your hiney every day at practice and then giving you a hug – are you going to push me away when I get that hug, you know, after the team meal and figuring out who can take the kind of coaching that I want to give them on the practice field? Because that's where you get like in this weird era where like the practice field and the facility are still kind of two different places. And if mm -hmm. guys can't handle hard coaching, well, they're probably not going to be a, a great fit for your program and being able to evaluate that, not just the talent, but the personality and are they a fit for our program? This is where, you know, you can fill, you know, people with the portal, but if you're living off the portal, yeah. It's going to be very hard to vet guys and figure out who's the best fit. Who am I getting in the program? That is very, very hard. To oh, yeah. I talked talk to Will Muschamp about that before the Peach Bowl, and he said, you know, at Georgia, they make it a priority that before a player commits, they at least see, they see a practice or two and understand this is how this works. Yeah. Or they see they get to see a, a, an offseason workout like they, they know how this works. So they're not surprised. But you're right. Mm -hmm. the, the speed dating aspect of the portal. You know, you think about it. If you went into the portal this weekend, there's a very good chance you've chosen your school by the end of this week. And, you, and you've got maybe schools from all over the country that you're considering. And maybe you went on a visit or two. But you don't, you don't know. And especially right now, like at the end of semesters, the workouts don't the workouts kind of taper off right about now. They get a little bit harder once the summer starts, but but stuff sort of tapers off right now. So you're not seeing exactly what this is gonna look like. So yeah, you don't know what you're gonna wind up in. Yeah, and I just it, think it, when you do the go ahead, Max. You know, in this spring period too, obviously I've been tracking this over the last um two weeks since the window opened. And you do it's interesting, you do see um at Alabama, at Georgia, at Ohio State, Ohio State just had another one last night. Um, you do see some freshmen who are going in the portal at the end of their first year. Some, you know, most of them are top 100, top 200 kind of recruits. I would imagine at those schools, like they're kind of okay with that, right? They're going to recruit oh, at yeah. such a high level. Like Ohio State lost two freshman receivers to the portal. That's going to happen because they take four, and those four mm -hmm. are some of the best in the country. And yeah. uh, one of those guys has to be number nine, and one of them has to be number 10 on the depth chart here in terms of just that group. Like that's it's, it's competitive situations. And so it's an, it, it, obviously it's an interesting assessment then you have to make when a freshman from one of those schools goes in the portal and he played seven snaps last year. Like, is he a stud who just thinks he's blocked by some really good players ahead of him, some NFL players, or is it a guy that just did not fit in this kind of atmosphere? Mm, yeah, I think this it, is where you get into the speed dating aspect is it's easy to say, Oh, well they went seven and five last year, but their linebacker was horrible. Here's this linebacker who made 40 tackles last year and was a four-star recruit. Well, obviously that's going to like, there's no simple way to tell you it's not that simple. Like it's just yeah. not, uh, it just doesn't always go well. Sometimes it does. A lot of times it doesn't. Well, and, and then you have the veteran players who understand that their program has recruited really well and their playing time is about to dwindle. Uh, there's a guy named RJ Moten is on a, an official visit to Florida. As we speak, he, he started 10 games at Michigan last year. You know, he started five games in 2021 at Michigan, but usually you either go up in starts or, or, or down and his start total was going to go down this year because their safety room is loaded. So 
That's the that's the the dance you got to do, and you got to figure out who. Like that seems like the safest kind of transfer to take. Guy who is a veteran played really well on a good team, but just got Wally pipped by somebody who's going to be maybe a first or second round draft pick. Yeah, Max, I agree. You, Max, you'd be a better you'd be a better person to talk to you about this. I'm very curious. So, like, coaches know that they have to be honest with NFL teams when NFL teams come and say, "What are we getting?" How much information trading is there between coaching staffs in the portal? My guess would be zero. There's a lot more than you think. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. that that is like there's not really from talking to coaches in the past few weeks about this. Like, there's not really the sour grapes thing anymore of like, don't call mm-hmm. me about this kid. I mean, even in in December after coaches get fired, I, I know one coach at Texas State was getting calls nonstop from people about their players that went in the portal. Like, hey, what do you think of this guy? Even though he just got fired, like, there's <laughs> um, there's a lot of that, and and there's that information kind of ends up flowing both ways. And I think people kind of understand it's mutually beneficial that like if you're at an SEC school and you are calling about a kid who went in the portal from the Sun Belt or like Conference USA, like that coach probably should be honest with you because at that SEC school, you're going to send players down too. To, that you're going to send them their way and, and they're going to expect you to be honest with them about what are we getting in this player. So yeah, you have to call about the background on, on character and what are the issues, what are the real reasons they're going in the portal. Sometimes when, especially like with these linemen that go in, they're going to call the coach and be like, how big is he really? Because these right. guys <laughs> list something in their Twitter bio or I, I, I taught her, talked to one personal person last week who was like, there's this lineman who's out there is really coveted, who's listed 6'4", and it's like, no, he's 6'2", and three quarters, and he begged us to put him at 6'4". Like, there's <laughs> that's, there, that's a thing, right? And you just, <laughs> again, the speed dating piece of it is so tough because you, you hope to get some time with them in person, but really you've got to bring them out to the visit and pay for the visit just to really kind of find out what you might be getting with the guy. And so, yeah, that conversation between coaches – like you got to find someone you know on a staff, and you got to make a phone call. And there's some some schools that will not make the offer, or the head coach will not extend the offer until you've called over to someone at that school to find out what the deal is. I feel like I'd be very tempted if I was a coach if I had a player who was in the portal that had what I have always referred to as a high turd factor. Had a bunch of offers. Can we add HTF to the uh, yeah. to the evaluation? <laughs> Some guy, I, I'm always, I always like the players that have very, very low turd factors. But some guys, they just have high turd factors. And like, if a guy, like if my rival in the division was very interested in this guy, and they called me over and said, "What do you think?" That'd be a tough, that'd be a tough call. Like, you know what? He's got, he's, he's, you know, he, he's got some promise. <laughs> he, he, you know, but honestly, it's just like our jobs. I was talking to one staffer last year about this, and he said. You know, you've really got to get multiple sources um, because they, they said there was one. They called a coach about a kid and the coach absolutely murdered him, said he was the worst kid ever. And then they called <laughs> three, four more coaches who are like, no, that coach is crazy. Like that kid's great. So it's like you need to it's that that information trading. Um, you need to do a lot of it and not it's, just go it, by the first thing you hear. It's funny because it's, now they're surprised when they don't hear from the school that's taken them. Because I, I talked to a, a staffer from from a school that lost a player to, to another school and he goes i wish they'd have called because we'd have told him he's not that good yeah like yeah. we'd have told him he's not gonna play for them max i feel like we've stumbled upon a good story idea i want to read the max olsen story on uh inside the information trade of the speed dating world of the transfer portal 
That is I mean, something it's, that's in the works right now. Yeah, it's not unlike <laughs> it's not unlike blind or speed dating though, because you think yeah. about it, if you get set up on a blind date, what are you trying to do? You're trying to gather as much information about the person from as many <laughs> sources as possible. I mean, that's that's really what it is. This is it's not speed dating; it's blind dating. But 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 within like honestly, within a day of a guy going in the portal, he's got visits lined up. Like especially right yeah. now when you've got to go um, kind of try to knock this all out like in a week and go get enrolled somewhere. Like that's not very conducive to actually like learning as much as you possibly can about a guy there's I've, I've talked to staffers at school who feel like when a guy goes in the portal you need to offer within the first few hours they go in and so that's a very fast process and obviously it leads to um, a lot of whiffs and I, I think a lot of times these these staffs are um, just looking to meet a need um, I've talked to plenty in the past few weeks who are I'm just looking for a defensive lineman who is a certain size and um, if they are that certain <laughs> size pulse, we will bring them in oxygen. on a visit and uh, I think if, they, this... if they can be a three tech, we will take them and then we will find out what's wrong with them later. Again, no matter what you, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you look at it, at the end of the day, you're taking somebody else's word for it. You haven't recruited the kid for two years. You haven't been at his high school practice, seen him on the sidelines, been in his home, talked to him on the phone, FaceTime with him for hours. You are taking yep. somebody else's word for what this kid is. They might be right. They might be wrong. You might have a disagreement. I mean, again, you know, it's all about perspective, and you know, one man's trash is another man's turd factor. So, we'll yeah. have to see. <laughs> <laughs> high, high turd factor, by the way, is the greatest because turd is the word. Yeah, oh, well, turd, is turd, the word. turd, turd, turd is the word. That, <laughs> if, if a coach talks, there's a player who is causing serious problems. It doesn't matter where the coach grew up. It doesn't matter who he worked for. The word is turd. Like that is that is what they. Oh, that guy's turd. <laughs> and yeah, we've all listened. We don't need to drop any names. We've all covered them. We've all covered the guys where the coach is like, you know, oh, I'm gonna deal with this turd again. <laughs> He's a turd, but I love him. Yeah, sometimes when you do in the punch bowl. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes when you deal with the player, you you know it too. You're like, Ooh, oh boy, yes. your teammates must not like you. <laughs> Every now and then, I, I can think of a handful of times where I've gone out and done stories on recruits, and I get done with an interview, and I'm like, Oof. <laughs> yeah, Oof. well, and, and that's the tough thing about Good this luck. time of year. Like in December and January, guys can go in because they're not getting enough NIL money. Guys can go in because they had a great year and they want to move up. They can go in because they had a coaching change or their assistant left or whatever, right? Um, at this time of year, like I think everyone is like very suspicious. Like there's there there are big names that go in that everybody wants, but kind of everyone's fighting over like the same twenty to twenty five like really good players, and the rest you're kind of like okay, like we talked about the Michigan State situation. Okay, did you get beat out? Is that why you're in the portal? Yeah. You know, um, are you a guy that went in because they were cutting down to eighty five and you were one of their worst players? Like I think there's a lot of like the majority of the players, the over six hundred that have gone in the portal in the last two weeks. A lot of them are guys that uh, that were depth guys um, who have not started again. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Max, I'm curious about this because you were talking about you have to offer the first day. Are these in this situation all committable offers? Because we talk about that in the in the recruiting process of high school players where they throw an offer out, but it's not really real. You can't commit until you go to camp and they see you and, and then you, they take you to the head coach's office and he taps you on the shoulders with his sword or I think that's how that works. But uh, the this one, it feels like these are committable offers – like sight unseen. Um, it, it depends on the player, obviously, as it always does. But uh, oftentimes that is a, an offer to uh, we will buy a plane ticket for you to come out here and take a visit. Yeah, I gotcha. mean, you, okay. you, do, you do need to. Uh, I mean, certainly for the very high profile recruitments, um, you know, Lincoln Riley is not telling Bear Alexander, uh, let's see how the visit goes. And then maybe. We'll talk about, <laughs> right. You know, right. You know. um, but yeah, I mean, you, you've got to. And that's that, that again, that, that goes back to what we're talking about. Like at the bare minimum, we need to meet you face to face and we need to actually see how big you are and we need to see how you actually get along with our players. And so, yeah, I, I think say, a lot of times you, you've got to go through that visit piece and, and, and maybe the offer is more of like, hey, just just put us on your list here and, 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 and consider a visit. Max, two of my great loves, worlds colliding, college football and married at first sight. I love to see it. <laughs> I love to see it. <laughs> Do well, those hopefully... people tend to go back in the portal after that show, Evan? A lot of re-entering the transfer portal yeah, after, that's what after I was eight weeks on Married at First Sight. I, I am I am glad that we uh we, we got here. Not necessarily, you know, net Netflix reality dating shows, but going back in the portal because that David, you've done a lot of work on on Deion Sanders in Colorado, and we've talked a lot about what they're doing with the, I mean, just wholesale roster flip. Max, we had this conversation on the phone last week, and 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 sure enough, the number hit. They are going to be at least seventy new scholarship players when they take the field, and it might be more than that. Uh, but they it had happens a, everywhere they, every year, right? Oh yeah, it's totally normal. No, but David, they had a player who they took in the in the winter window from Arkansas State, a tight end, who hopped back in the portal. I don't think that's part of the plan. They've had four that is not part spring of the transfers go back in the portal. Yes. Golly. Uh, yeah, I, that's that's not part of the plan. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if the Louis luggage has a hole in it or, or what's going on there. But ultimately, like, that goes into what we've been talking about for the first 20 minutes of the show is that it's very hard to figure out, is this guy a great fit for what we want to do and who we are? He's a great player. Sure. He can be productive. He can do all these things. But, like, at the end of the day, you're going to the facility every single day with this guy. You're practicing with this guy every single day. You're guiding this guy. And when you have to do that 70 times, like, that's that's tough. That's tough. This is why there's so much skepticism in the coaching world beyond fans who are, you know, sort of like, what's going on in the coaching world. You talk to any coach, there's a lot of skepticism about making it work because they know how hard it is to make it work in the portal. And this is, you know, are we ready to have the Dion conversation at the moment, Andy? 
Are we let's there? do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's have how much Deion time you got? If you look at what if you look at what Dion is doing, okay, and you look at how he recruited at Jackson State, and you look at the t- the caliber of player he got at Jackson State, and the caliber of player that he was recruiting at Colorado, it's like a carbon copy. It's the same type of guys. A lot of big school bounce backs that hadn't really done anything, but were a four star at one point in time, or were a three star, or whatever, and went to you know the Floridas, the Tennessees, right. the big schools. It's it's like they're doing it's like they're running the same plays. But they're the, not getting that much higher quality of a but caliber. The thing is, they might get a few, but not a ton. Yeah, but we we remember James Houston because he worked out. Mm-hmm. We don't remember yep. everybody who didn't. Yes, yes. So th- this is where you're at. I, I I think it. This is it's just for all the reasons we've been talking about. It's very hard, and I know that Dion's in a spot where he has to flip the roster, and he feels like he has to do this. Um, and certainly, when you inherit a roster that's one eleven, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, but the degree of difficulty is just off the charts. And then you start thinking about sustainability. What does this look like in year two? Can you? How many guys do you have to do this next year? Because you don't have that first year rule, and so you can't cut players quite as explicitly as you have been in year one. So you're playing a really, really dangerous gamble because you're saying, okay, we're going to go in the portal seventy times, and then these are our guys. Like, and your and your class balance is probably not yes. working out. I mean, yeah. in a perfect world, you picked a quarter of them are seniors, or a third of them are seniors, and a third of them are or juniors and a third of them are sophomores, and then you've got your freshman class coming in. That's not how it will work out. That's not how that yeah. math will work. Yeah, so, I just so, think it's easy to say we got a four-star. This guy is a 6'4", 240-pound linebacker that runs a 4'4", four, 6'. Four, like, okay, there's not a lot of those guys. you got some of them, but, like, it's, it's just not that simple. Like, it's not that simple. Like, you're still right. running a program, and, like, evaluation means more than just the player. It's the mind, it's the 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 uh, uh, the mindset, and of course the oft mentioned turd factor. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. Here, so somebody in Colorado had the duty of um, removing all the players from the roster who left in the past few weeks, right? So they they updated it, I think, over the weekend. Here, I've seen. Here is, I've, I've looked for a guy's bio, and it's like four. Here, here's where we're at. Okay, twelve returning scholarship players from last year's team. 12 out of 84. Okay. 21 transfers. The number's actually like 30 with the guys who are committed. 17 freshmen from their 23 class and 26 walk-ons. That's all we're got right now. That's 76 players. Realistically, like if you just look at um, who they've got and who they have committed, they are at like 63 out of 85. And so that gets into... I think a very fascinating issue here where, because we just haven't seen anyone do it. Like if you're wondering like, Oh, there's gotta be other like year one staffs that have had a lot of attrition this off season, Not right? Like, like this there, there are, and they've lost 25 guys or 30 guys. Nobody has lost 58 guys. In well, this is what we, this is what we talked about with Kansas, like post Charlie Weiss. This is, mm-hmm. you know, David Beatty getting to spring practice. And I, what was the number Beatty threw out there at, at big 12 media days that year? Was it, was it, 29 yeah i thought it was 35 something practice. like that or, or it was 35 yeah. it was you know, 35 scholarship players in spring practice so that's what we're talking and we're, we're sure that dion knows that fbs has a higher scholarship limit than fcs right 
probably is. If someone on his staff it's says yes. 85 and not 63. Okay. We're just, you know, just making sure. So, well, he, and that's an interesting because he may think that, like, oh, well, you know, NFL is 53. Like, 53 is, is all you need. Right. And, like, you've, I've talked to staffers in the last week about this. Like, how many do you actually need? And they feel like, you probably need 55 to 60 scholarship players who can actually play right now, who can help you right now yeah. to actually just be competitive. And this is not even talking about like, can you play with USC and Oregon and like yeah. Washington and these really good Pac-12 they, well, they, but just to be competitive, but they have very specific issues with the roster too. There's nobody coming back at quarterback. There's nobody coming back at wide receiver, defensive line, cornerback. They have one year. returning running back. They have one returning safety. The backup quarterbacks are both true freshmen. Like, there's some real, like, if one thing goes wrong at a bunch of these spots, you are yeah. going to have some real struggles this year. That's well, the thing the, with, with Colorado is they got some dogs. They got some some players. Yeah. They're going to be really good at the skill positions. Definitely. But the lines, it, it doesn't look great at the moment uh, because you can't build an offensive line or a defensive line out of the portal. I just don't think that's possible. You can fill a spot. But you can't build one from scratch. I don't think that's possible to build a competent line on either side. To say nothing of the offensive line chemistry, but they're just not. Well, and and, and also, need... offensive and defensive linemen, the most valuable people in the portal. So they ain't coming to you yes, at exactly. Colorado. Yeah. And then the question of, like Max alluded to it, Shador looks like a great player. If he gets hurt, like, what are you doing? Like, what, like you don't have anything. Well, and, and David. Uh, so, or Max, you brought up the point about the the fifty three man NFL roster. The difference is with a fifty three man roster, you're playing with those bottom five constantly. Every mm -hmm. week, you are cycling out those bottom five to make sure there's a guy you need this week in there. And so, you cut one guy, and you're like, okay, just hang out. We're going to resign you in two weeks, and then you sign somebody in another position that you need because you got somebody dinged up. It's it's not the same thing in college football. Obviously, when that person gets dinged up, you're just screwed. Agreed. And, and I think you still need that. And that's where from talking to staffers, there's a real curiosity of like, did they just go a little bit too far in how many they cut after the spring game? And obviously there are some players that chose to leave after the spring right. game and who are getting recruited and will have some good opportunities and stuff like that. But um, there's not really like you, you still need a core to your roster. You still need guys who like really want to play special teams. You still need guys who really want to play at Colorado. And like they've, they've kind of purged off, a lot of that and, and, and going in a very transactional direction. And this is where you get into like, so first of all, like to go take 20 plus players moving forward here you know, from the portal, maybe some JC guys, whatever, but to take this many guys from the portal right now, there's a ton of skepticism among people in the recruiting industry about, are you going to get good enough players from this, this, you know, post spring window here and then, like, are you going to nail those evaluations? Because ultimately, like, that is really – it is really going to matter. They're not just bodies. They're not just we need to fill out our depth at a bunch of these positions. You need guys that you actually can trust to play and that will actually stick around. Well, I think my – so the way that I understand how it played out at Colorado is that at some point – I don't know if it was during the spring or I, I believe it was during the spring, kind of toward the end. Dion sort of told his staff, hey, go look at your position – if you got guys that you don't think can start for us this year, let me know. And those are the guys that are going to get cut. Okay. So let's press on that question, right? Hey, Matt, so, no other coach in the country did that, by the way. <laughs> yes. That, that's not how the first-year coaches are operating. Because, because well, most coaches realize that not everybody on their team can start for them, and that's okay. 
Yes, so there's two things with that. Number one, if you're going to cycle the roster, how do you know if this guy is going to be better than the guy that you get? Like, you're, you're rolling the dice. Mm, if you say we're right, cutting this guy, right. well, we can get somebody better in the portal. Maybe you can. What if you can't? The, and secondly, yeah. there's the question of depth. Okay, this guy might not be able to start for you, but like, so you're going to go in the portal and you're going to say, hey, you got three years to play, but you know what? You can come be a backup here for a year, and we like we like you in 2024 and 2025. I don't think that's necessarily how that conversation goes, but that's how reality is going to play out because you only have 22 starters. Mm-hmm. So I just, again, like it's so fascinating because we've never seen anybody do this before. And they're, they're asking questions and making decisions that no one's ever made before and no one's ever asked before. Who knows? Maybe, so like, maybe they'll be right we'll and we're, we're all stupid. But it they is, might be. We'll and, see. And, that, and that's the I, other piece yeah. that, like, from talking to folks last week, that there's a lot of curiosity of, like, okay, maybe there's more of a plan to this than, than we can see. Maybe they have a bunch of silent commitments from guys who have not entered the transfer portal yet. Like there's honestly that suspicion. And and lately when like more high profile guys go in the portal, there is a lot of like uh, kind of conspiracy thinking right now <laughs> yeah. that maybe Colorado has lined this up, but then that another it. challenge of this, that when that guy hits the portal, when an ultimate Caskill or Zachary Franklin goes in the portal and you hear right away, Colorado's on them. That makes sense. Colorado is everybody else in college football going to let those guys go to Colorado? Right. Yeah. Right. Zakari Franklin can help every team everyone. in America. <laughs> yeah, every everyone. single team in America. Like Ohio State, Ohio State might be too deep at receiver to take Zakari Franklin. Everybody else could use him. Andy, is like, Zakari Franklin, would he be the best receiver on Alabama's roster? He'd be the most accomplished. I don't know. I most mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're, their guys are young, but I mean, you would take him yes. right now. Like I like Kobe Prince. Every, I don't love a lot of the other Bama receivers. Yeah. Every school in the SEC would take him right now. Like Keon Coleman goes every in, school. I, and Keon Coleman considered Jackson State back in the day during his recruiting process. But if you're like at LSU, you're not going to be like, hmm, we'll let Deion take this one. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> exactly. everybody, yeah. especially the schools that have money, they're not yes. just going to like stand by and let Colorado go take and that's the another, 10 that's another, players out of the portal. That's another interesting wrinkle to this. Colorado does not have an NIL situation where they can offer guys much of anything like the the nil deals they've had you look at what travis hunter have what shador sanders have. that's nil as nil was designed to be where shador sanders is a very familiar name he has a deal yeah, with you're, you're a Brand. famous person so we will yes. hire you to endorse our product exactly. yes uh the the nil as as designed by collectives that has been popularized in eugene and much of the south colorado does not have that apparatus set up so if somebody says hey come play for coach prime and somebody else says, hey, come play for this coach that you might not have heard of two weeks ago, but here's $80,000. Well, <laughs> like, that's that's a complicated question. I, I, so. I've done some research on this coach, and he seems intriguing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's just you're, you're not playing the same game as a lot of these schools in the South. You're and just one, one thing that will ensure future attrition is when you say, hey, um, premium portal player, come here. You'll make six figures. We'll figure out how we're going to get you that. And then you get there <laughs> and the player says, wait a minute. I thought I was getting six figures, an apartment and a car. Yeah. And they're like, well, we're working on it. We're working on it. All right. Like that, that is going to ensure <laughs> yeah. these guys bounce from Colorado right away. If you don't deliver on those things. So interesting question from Andrew Cooper in the chat. This is something that we've talked about a, a few times on the show, but, but now, especially with the portal closed, I think it's, it, we can, we can answer it. 
is the one-year sit rule in the SEC transfers going to hurt the SEC in the long run? And it's not a one-year sit rule. It's you have to be in the portal by February 1st mm-hmm. if you would like to play for another SEC school in that coming season. And I think we can answer definitively it's not hurting them because other than Bear Alexander leaving Georgia for USC, who left an SEC team that you thought was going to be a big contributor during this spring window? That to go to another conference. Well, they're one of the few leagues that can probably do that. It's like the fact that the SEC has no exit fees for leaving the conference, right? right? It's like right. people want to be there. So, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that rule is more about anything else than like coaches. Let's not eat ourselves, please. Like, yeah. that's a, I think it's the coaches I, I, I've like not to, wanting guys to tamper. I've talked like, to ADs about it. I talked to multiple mm-hmm. SEC ADs about it, and their feeling is they would rather play defense against a hundred. 17 other schools yep. than against the other 13 sec schools yes and i like their odds in that yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't think that's a rule that greg Sankey's like oh whoops is that on the books like i think he likes being a leader on that don't you think andy i think so too and alabama actually challenged it last year at at the spring meetings and it, it didn't get any traction to change it and as long as you're the only ones doing it now if every every conference decides they want to do that then you're opening yourself up to an antitrust lawsuit if I'm the other conferences, I wouldn't change my rules because I want those SEC players to come. And, you know, I want to I be something different. And it's not the same. Like, the, it just means more thing. We make fun of it. But those coaching staffs would never stop tampering if, the, if that yeah. rule didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Because and, it just means more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but like, it's not the same in the Big Ten. It's not the same in the Big 12. Yes, there's still tampering going on, but you just you don't see that. Like if the if the window was the same in the SEC as it was everywhere else, you would see guys moving from Mississippi State to Arkansas and from mm-hmm. South Carolina to Tennessee. You would see it right now all the time. Based yes. on how much I hear about those schools tampering on like just starter level players, not even like all conference level players, but like just starter level players yeah. at other power five leagues. Like I have to, yeah, I, I can say with certainty, it would be absolutely bonkers if the SEC could recruit SEC players all year long. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is basically a, a we're saving us from ourselves yes. kind of situation. Yes. Yes. 100%. And, and it, I think it does help their coaches because I don't, I don't get the sense that a lot of the SEC coaches were particularly concerned. I know uh, Xavier Henderson went in the portal from Florida last week and he had the, he had the, the most catches last season. But uh, they look at Ricky Pearsall as their best receiver. They like Andy Jean, the freshman. They've got this kid named Eugene Wilson coming in that they really like. So I don't think they're particularly crying over that that loss. If Pearsall had gone in, they'd have been very upset. I'm very curious to see if we ever see this rule challenged by a player who has a sick grandparent that they have to mm-hmm. move closer to home to be closer to. Like, we've heard that story a million times. Well, but the, but what, what, what the SEC is going to say is there is a school close to your home that's not in the SEC. Go to that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, but that's... Troy, congratulations uh, to Troy for getting all those guys. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. The Sun Belt... Come on the podcast. <laughs> Actually, we, we probably need to have John Summerall on the podcast because that defense last year was nasty. Yep. Salty, so, right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Speaking of, of nasty defenses, uh, did you guys catch the Oregon Spring game? It was, it was, uh, it was interesting because we know their offense is good and their defense made their offense look pretty rough for uh, for a half and uh so i'm wondering how bad did the, you know the, the 19 consecutive runs by oregon state that might have been the most humiliating thing that ever happened to, to oregon's defense i'm wondering how much that inspired some change i know they're you know max you can you can speak to how many guys they got out of the portal but you know they went and got like jordan birch from south carolina and and some other names that, that had played at big places they could be very good this year if that defense has come around. Now they're they're an interesting one. Um, so they're going into year two, obviously under Dan Lanning. Um, they've had thirty two scholarship players leave. I think he has has you know within his ability of this the, the head coach rule in the first year to to move on from some players. Like I think Dan Lanning, as much as you'd say, man, you walk into a pretty good situation there post Cristobal. I think Dan Lanning has also like put his fingerprints on this roster pretty quickly there too at Oregon. And you'd say even for how good you think they're probably setting up to be next year. Like I think, and, and yeah, sure. They were recruiting at like a very, like a high blue chip level, um, obviously before he, he showed up, but interesting to see like the amount of players they they were willing to move on from. Um, And yeah, they've, they did a great job last year in the portal, obviously turned Christian Gonzalez into a first round pick. You know, Bucky Irving from Minnesota turned into one of the best backs in the in the Pac-12. Like the the talent evaluation, I think you you really see like they're they're nailing it so far in the portal. Um, got Jordan Riley drafted um, as another guy they took last year, but yeah, I think you're. It's a little bit scary if they're willing to move on from that many guys and bring on a bunch yeah. of guys. Like you feel like they probably know what they're doing over there. Well, I think you see there's a little bit. I mean, there's a little bit of SEC leaking into the Pac-12. I mean, Dan Lanning is sort of leading that charge, but you know, in terms of what is the standard. What are the types of guys that we're trying to recruit? Can you get those guys? We'll see. But like, I mean, even when I was out at Arizona state uh, last month or whatever it was, you know, Kenny Dillingham was like, listen, I got my bachelor's in football at Arizona state, but I got my master's in the sec <laughs> in the South Florida yeah. state and Auburn. So like, you know, they're taking some of the sensibilities and we, I think Ari wrote a really good column uh, in December about this with Dan Laning, you know, closing the way that he did um, you know, the sec level of recruiting and ruthlessness has sort of begun to kind of crash the Pac-12. I think Urban Meyer brought some of it to the Big Ten, and we're seeing it sort of leak out west. Yeah. One name to watch on the other side of the ball for Oregon, Tez Johnson, receiver from Troy. From Troy. Bo Nix's high school classmate. It's, there, there's some familiarity there, too. So it's, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Oregon's upgraded on defense. USC has upgraded the personnel on defense quite a bit through the transfer portal. Barrel Alexander – is the headliner from this window, but they got, you know, three defensive tackles in this in the winter window, 
who could be very helpful for them. I mean, I, I, I would think their entire defensive tackle rotation and it's a real rotation. It's, it's not two, two good starters and then it drops off. It's a real rotation. Now like, that's how you become something different than what we've seen from Lincoln Riley's defenses at Oklahoma and, and USC so far. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've, They've really focused their portal takes this offseason on defense as as you would expect going into year uh-huh. two. I mean, I, I, Emmanuel Pregnant from Wyoming was a big get for them. He'll he'll start at guard for them, I would think. Um, well, that and, they, and then Ethan White from Florida was gonna come and now he's not. Right, so that right. that kind of he slides into there. And Michael Tarquin from, from so they're gonna Florida, yeah they're gonna start three starting. transfers on the O line yeah. this year most likely. They brought in Dorian Singer from Arizona, who's a really talented receiver. But but at all three levels of that defense, they've I think they've gotten better. Um, yeah. it, it, obviously they're recruiting at high level too, but the portal takes, they've got a lot of veteran guys. They've got younger guys like Anthony Lucas, who clearly like have, um, five-star, like high draft pick kind of potential. Um, I, and, and, you know, I should add Marshawn Lloyd at running back from South Carolina, mm-hmm. I think is an interesting yeah. piece there too. Huge pickup. Yeah. So I, once again, I feel like that that's USC. You look at their class and then like, yeah, there's, there's some classes out here that have taken 25 guys and they rise up the rankings because of that. But I think the quality of what Lincoln Riley is doing, I think once again, you got an argument that this might be the best transfer class again. And, uh, you know, it, 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 the more they win these, like Barry Alexander and Pregnant, you're like, you know, I know there's a lot of quarterbacks coming back in the Pac-12. I know there's some very talented teams, but like, are they, I feel like they're kind of too good to fail with how this is kind of setting up. I mean, they, well, but, they but, but Oregon's a problem for them. Like Oregon yeah. is a potential problem for them in, in the Pac-12. Yeah, and Utah's a problem. Yeah. It has has been a problem. And, uh, I, I like, yes. yeah. <laughs> we do this every time, and I've tried to I've tried to stop. I have. We we had a whole segment on it a few weeks ago where I apologized to Utah because we always slip Utah in at the end of that conversation. Like, oh, by the way, in Utah, no, 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 two time defending <laughs> Pac twelve champs. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's you got to get through Utah. So I sorry, think the interesting thing, like. Again. Again, I think we're going to see this other class of recruiter start to rise. And I think Lincoln Riley is leading the charge. Hey, can you think of any, like, maybe good transfers that Lincoln Riley has done some good things with? <laughs> like, <laughs> the, like the, the, the idea, the, the, the archetype of the transfer whisperer, I think, is yeah. going to become a much yeah. bigger thing. And you can't, there's not a better one than Lincoln Riley right now, like, well, at uh, all. Let me, let me throw one at you, another potential one. Near, near to you, David. You could probably, you know, Is he drive over Columbia, to Columbia, South Carolina. Well, that's one, but there's another one that, who lives in your town, Mr. Hype. Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker, transfer. We'll see with Joe Milton, but transfer. Yeah, Brew McCoy, mm-hmm. transfer. You know, uh, their uh, their left tackle, transfer. Like mm-hmm. uh, Mincy. Uh, yeah, Gerald Mincy tackle. from Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've done a good job with transfers. South Carolina, like you mentioned, Shane Beamer done a very good job with transfers so I mean, on a good one, start one but i think i think the thing that... it is florida state too oh well my yeah, yeah. i mean michael Rebell, <laughs> Rebell is up there i think with riley in terms of just what he's accomplished over several years now i think it, you're you're right that i think in the in the portal era those guys have have done some great things but i think that's the thing with riley is he's done it for so long like dating back to baker i guess would be the first one yeah where you like literally inherited a pretty good player that was a walk on and turned him into a freaking. Think, high think about think about this. Lincoln Riley put three consecutive <laughs> transfer quarterbacks. Three consecutive transfer quarterbacks went to New York. Two of them won Heisman's. Two of them were number one overall picks. 
And they're all probably gonna be the number one pick next year. Right, right. So, and then, and then, all of them have been or are starters in the NFL. One of them signed the richest deal in NFL history, at least for for a week or so until until Lamar Jackson got his. Yeah, but that is insane. <laughs> that is an incredible track record. So I imagine if you're in the portal and you get a call from Lincoln Riley, it resonates a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you yeah. heard of Baker Mayfield? Have you heard of Kyler Murray? Have you well, heard they, of but, Caleb Williams? And, and they just got, I mean, they just got Eric Gray and Wanye Morris drafted over the weekend. Like mm-hmm. that, the, those are guys that took at Oklahoma, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've, the, the track record of like what we can do for you to get your career back on track or to kind of help take you to the next level and boost your stock. Like you combine that with like, hey, would you like to take an OV to USC? Like I think yeah. it's, it's not come live. It's not it's a hard for these come guys. Take a, and, come take a scholarship and come live out in LA for a couple of years. Well, and honestly, I think where we're at now with this stuff too. As much as I know, when people go in and like people get very, very um, suspicious and point fingers and stuff when guys go in the portal and then you immediately hear like, oh, they're going to this school. But I've heard from some of these schools that take a lot of transfers that like a lot of this stuff can be initiated on the player side, the player and the family and the third party and stuff. Like, I think at this point, when you have that kind of track record, whether you're at USC or Ole Miss or Florida State or these schools that are really doing it best, like the kids are calling you and saying, yeah. hey, if I want if I go in the portal, I want to come there. Would you guys take me like and so you get you get a leg up on everybody else that uh, you're in you're in good shape to win that battle before the name pops up in the portal. And, and, and you don't like. About, oh, go ahead. Dave. If, if you don't like what we're talking about and the current status of things. We'll just lead into another podcast episode, make them employees and pay them because that's the only way to slow down any of this movement. It's going to be happening. right. You can have rules that govern player movement at that point, And if you pay it's, a, it's a lot easier to control. So it, and look, everybody's like, it's too difficult. We can't, this isn't difficult. This seems pretty difficult too. So that, also that, Andy, I feel like it's, it's time for you to queue up your, uh, your, your favorite catchphrase. When, when people in college athletics complain about things being too hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what the money's for. Exactly. And, and, and there is there is money coming in. Yes, thank you, Don Draper and, and Peggy Olsen for that, <laughs> that incredible scene in the suitcase, which is one of the best episodes of television ever. Yes, I, I, I do love that. One more thing before we go, because we talked about this at length on Friday's show and, and Max was with us, but David, I want to get your, your thoughts on this too, because mm-hmm. you cover a lot of SEC stuff. I believe you just uh, finished your SEC power rankings. I believe, I believe Alabama's number three. Three. Which, That's when is the last time, when is the last time Alabama, other than the end of last season, when is the yeah, last time Alabama, yeah. Alabama would have you been were number teeing me up three for that one. in the SEC power rankings? Well, I think this is the thing. Like, Alabama has recruited quite well. I don't know if anybody's heard about this or been following this. Alabama's recruited quite well. So the talent is there. Look, Alabama's not short on talent. But at the end of the day, when you look at power rankings and you look at, okay, what is this fall going to look like? And you look at established stars and you look at established dudes. LSU's got two guys on the Heisman shortlist in Jaden Daniels for sure. Harold Perkins, I think, will have a couple huge games that get him some Heisman buzz at some he might be the best defensive player in the country in terms of what he might be in terms of ceiling yes and Mason Smith is probably an all-american type talent who missed all of last year when need I remind you LSU beat Alabama to win the SEC West uh like I think like 
when you put, when you say it, you know, and you, you look at, oh, Alabama's behind LSU, it's kind of like, really? But then you say, oh, well, how, how is that? Well, did you, like, last season, they literally lost the division, and I don't see any reason why Alabama should be ahead of LSU, especially when you look at what LSU has coming back. They lose Kayshawn Booty, but listen, Malik Neighbors, great player. Um, like, they're... LSU is just in a spot to do some big things this year. And I think, too, you know, talking to some guys on their staff and, and watching the games, obviously, Jane Daniels from September to December, completely different player. Like, right. at some point in the midseason, it clicked. And now you have a whole offseason with that staff where you've worked with them. You still have really good receivers. I mean, they have good depth behind neighbors as well. I mean, Daniels, I think, still has a lot to prove as a passer, but he still has a you know, obviously a really uh, lethal running threat. And I think when we saw him play so much more confidently um, in the second half of the season, the accuracy, I mean, LSU, listen, if you're looking for a national title sleeper, I don't know what the national title odds are on LSU and, and where they rank in that. I bet you Bam is probably higher. I'm going to guess yeah. I could be wrong about that. LSU seems like a decent, a decent flyer. Well, and, and so, we always talk about the SEC, and you, when, when you talk to the SEC, there's a lot of scrimmage league. It's a lot of scrimmage mm-hmm. league. So LSU has Will Campbell and Emory Jones at their offensive tackle spots. They were true freshmen last year. Mm-hmm. They've had a full year now. Like I think they bring back five, five starters on the offensive line yeah. that was not very good last yeah. year when they won the SEC West. Need right. I remind us again? <laughs> Right, yeah, and then and then that that defensive line, you get Mason Smith back, who is a, a an elite talent. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how he comes off the injury, but that's a scary bunch right there. And and so that's how like Georgia, we know Georgia's always got somebody good on the offensive line, somebody good on the defensive line. That's not going to be a problem. You know, they they're just cycling up. Georgia at this point is just cycling up first round picks on both lines of scrimmage. Alabama. We're not seeing that as much now. Like Caden Proctor, and two when new you, coordinators, right? Exactly. Caden Proctor, when you see him, you're like, "Ooh, that's going to be a first round draft pick someday." Like, you know, but their offensive line. You, you you looked at the spring game and you go, "Okay, they got to figure out left tackle. They they might have to figure out center." And I don't see those questions at LSU. I don't see those questions at Georgia. I don't see those questions at, at Tennessee now. Alabama gets Tennessee and LSU at home this year. But if that's the best argument you can make, that's a problem. And, and somehow, Andy, we had this whole conversation without even talking about the Alabama quarterback situation. Well, and that's what we talked like, about that all day on Friday. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to get and into it's that like, And it's like, listen, Tyler Buckner is probably an upgrade, but is he a magic maybe. pill that like, but let's think maybe. Like, if you told me that Milrow or Simpson would be better than him by the end of the season, I would absolutely believe you. We don't really know what we've seen. <clears throat> we know that what we saw in the spring game, this is what – so, like, when you see bad spring game performances, you always sort of take them with a grain of salt. But what you don't take with a grain of salt is how the coach talks about it. And when the coach is like, yeah, that was not good. We need to look in the portal. And then takes a big-time portal guy, like, two weeks later, that tells you he's not in on these guys. So that's surprising because we saw a lot from Milrow last year when uh, Bryce Young got hurt. And Ty Simpson obviously was like an all-world recruit. And so for them to be in this position is, is very surprising. That's not something that I would have expected when the season ended. I thought they were in a pretty good spot when Bryce Young left. Right? Nick Saban clearly believes that's not the case. Guys, when was the, when was the last time we had an Alabama um, team that was rolling with nobody believes in us? 
Oh no! Powerful. That's true. We might have. We might. <laughs> we have just. We just gave the national title. Not, not, I think not the last time everybody. we saw that was before the SEC championship in 2021, which they destroyed they Georgia in that game. Demolished <laughs> Georgia, and then, and then they played Georgia again Georgia and lost. Won. So <laughs> that's the last time that the Alabama disrespect machine was truly humming, and now we're seeing it in the off season. So congratulations to Alabama on their 2023 national title. Um, exactly. It is, it is a powerful thing because. You know, I, whereas Nolan Smith can apparently convince everyone that, that people said Georgia was going to go seven and five, we're actually predicting Alabama not being as good as Georgia or LSU. And yeah, Nick Saban's going to turn that into something. The what, was it, what, was it, what was the term that he used? The really weird quote after uh, the SEC championship came where he was like, thanks it's for the, yummy. what was it? The yummy the rat poison. The yummy rat poison. But wasn't it the opposite of rat poison? Or was it, it, it the rat was, poison that people were inflicting on Georgia? I think it was, yeah, I think it was we were rat poisoning Georgia. We made the supercut. Me and Ari made the supercut that they used in their motivational <laughs> That's <right>. video. <laughs> That's, right. That's always good. <laughs> so that was that was shown to the players before the game when me and Ari like, Georgia's going to win this easy. There's uh, Alabama doesn't stand a chance. I'm glad oh. I didn't have – I wasn't on the pod that week, but I was with you. I thought that was going to be the Al- – because Alabama had been limping through the whole I season. Was I was so like, here comes sure. the reckoning. Here comes so the reckoning. Sure. Georgia – about to wreck shop. <laughs> nope. Bryce throws for 800 yards against the greatest defense in the history of college football. <laughs> as last uh, year, as this weekend's draft showed. So, Golly. It, yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit of draft. Obviously, uh, we, we've got plenty of draft content out there, and, and I'll be with Dane Brugler again on Prospects to Pros this week. But uh, Howie Roseman, uh, the Eagles GM, attempting to recreate the 2021 georgia defense we we the, he's drafted keely ringo since we talked on on thursday night after the the first round so and it he is traded really for deandre swift yes he traded for deandre <laughs> this is it is really amazing but i can't argue with the philosophy they yeah, all know I each other say, i'm not an nfl gm i've heard of worse strategies i have to say <laughs> than like oh hang on so this defense that was probably the best defense that college football has seen in a decade, maybe longer. What if we just get all those guys and then put them on our defense? And let them play like, together, yes. That and seems just, like a pretty good idea. Them, let's take them, and then we'll add Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham to yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and then we'll have Jalen Hurts uh, getting it done on the other side of the ball. So, yeah, again, I, I uh, you know, a step short of the Super Bowl last year, but uh, – that strikes me as a, a sound concept rather than perhaps drafting a quarterback that uh, everyone who watched college football said, I don't think that guy's very good. <laughs> so, one, one weird draft thing that happened this time that I, I don't know, is this an anomaly or is this something that's going to, going to keep happening because of the transfer portal and the way player movement is going on. The first 47 picks came from the power five. Cody Mock from North Dakota State was the first non-Power 5 player selected. That's wild. How many of those guys transferred up, Mac? Because I'm curious if this is if this is a, a anomaly, like you, like you said, or if this is a this is a portal issue. Do you know how many do you, do you have off your hand, Max, how many of those guys transferred up? You know, Osiris Torrance went from Louisiana, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was 59th pick. That's if there's not a Dan ton, Henley, I think it might really be about it. Kobe I, if it's not Richmond to Wake Forest, but not many, really. Yeah, just if there's not like a half dozen guys that transferred up. I kind of feel like it's just sort of a weird thing. 
um, and we'll see next year. So, but I didn't know how many Jabril Coxes were roaming around out for, there. First round, I'm looking right now. Uh, Jordan Addison transferred from from Pitt to to USC, and Jameer Gibbs transferred from Georgia Tech to Alabama. But obviously, that's Power Five to Power Five. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, Dalton Kincaid, San Diego to Utah. That's okay. So that's the only one, and everybody else was at the school they signed with out of high school, which. I, you know, we, we just spent the, an hour talking about the transfer portal. Guess who does the best? <laughs> apparently three-year starters get drafted. Uh, apparently apparently yeah. that helps you a little bit. You know, honestly, Andy, I was going through it over the weekend. Um, and, you know, so the in the la- last year's portal cycle, um, going into the 2022 season, 2,000, about 2,000 scholarship FBS players went in the portal and transferred, okay? You guys want to guess how many of them got drafted this weekend? Out of oh. 2,000 guys? I'm going to say 17. 20. 20. Okay. I win. Good, good job. <laughs> yeah, so, you were under, so too. That's truly, right as yeah. much as we yes. hide, and, and look, a lot of them will land um, as undrafted free agents. Some of them will make the league. I'm, I'm not saying all of them are bust or anything like that. But that's truly, like, when we talk about the portal and, like, trying to find NFL guys, it's truly 1% of the guys in the portal are, like, NFL draft pick type guys, at least in terms of a, a year from now. Right. And so it's just, it, it's very like we hype up a lot of guys that go in. A lot of those guys went undrafted over the weekend. So I that, was I your, to, that was, I like your to refer to it as the, I like to refer to it as the, yeah, the, the Malik Zaire corollary that every player, <laughs> when they, when they, when they leave, when they leave their school becomes roughly 20 to 25% better than they were at their previous school. I think we're seeing a little bit, maybe slightly less of that in the portal era because the react, because it's like you can't hype him over a year when he's sitting and you see it like immediately like, oh, this guy's not all that. Like, I think like, like Zaire is the poster child for that. And we still see some of that, but like, you know, it's still Max. I think we've talked about it. I think you can fix some things like the, I think at the end of the day, Thesis statement of this show: The portal is a dice roll, and if you can roll up four times on your on your on your depth chart and hit two, you're feeling pretty good. If you've got to roll it twenty times, okay. If you got to roll it seventy times, okay. Like we'll we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah that, lu- know, that maybe, luggage might all be Louis. That some of that some of that luggage might be what you found, you know, by the side of the road. For so the, the record. Just for the record, my luggage mm-hmm. came from Sam's Club. It's Hayes, and it has given mm. me ten great years. I love that luggage. It's the it's the Lane Johnson of luggage. I have to say, <laughs> I, I would plug my luggage, but we don't do free ads, do we, Andy? <laughs> uh, that's exactly right. So, David, you're saying your luggage started out as a quarterback and then grew into an offensive tackle? <laughs> it's hardy, it's sturdy, and you know what? It gets the job done. That's beautiful. So, yeah, my mine- about. 20% of the guys that, that got drafted, I, I ended up counting it for the whole thing. About 20% of the guys that got drafted transferred at some point in their career. I think that number will probably go up here over the next yes. few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like, maybe the focus should be on the 80%, not the 20% here, you know? Unless we need to do a show. Because <laughs> That's then we can spend an hour talking about it. That's so true. thank you. Let thank me you tell you. Transfer portal. <laughs> let me tell you why Peyton Thorne is about to be the next number one pick in the draft. <laughs> I got a 10 minute monologue. Guys, I'm getting cook. Will Levis vibes from Peyton Thorne. Let's go. Oh. <laughs> but, hey, I dare you put out a put out a, a way too early 2024 mock draft with Peyton Thorne in the first round. 
Do it. Do it now. That sounds Somebody good. will. We were, Somebody before, will. <laughs> before we started the show, we found one where, where they were evaluating a class of 2024 quarterbacks, and they had, uh, they had Sam Heward on the list. Of, and, and they had a Washington logo next to his name. And they did not have Michael Penix Jr. on the list. Maybe someone should tell them. I don't know. But just remember, all that stuff is for entertainment only. The transfer portal is not for entertainment only, but it's not the cure-all you think it is. But we thank the transfer portal for today's episode. We'll talk to you later.